Hey, it's lovely to see you. It's awesome. Welcome to you this morning. Special welcome to you if you're a visitor. Lovely to have you here with us too. Show weekend. Anyone go to the show? If you did, awesome. Very good. I went with my grandchildren and one of my daughters. It was fantastic. Okay. If you have a Bible, you might like to turn with me to the book of Luke. And whilst you're doing that, let me tell you about President Franklin Roosevelt, who often endured long receiving lines at the White House. And he complained that no one really listened to what he was saying. So one day during a reception, he um, decided he'd try an experiment. To each person that walked past him and he shook their hands, he just whispered and murmured in their ears effectively, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And guests responded with marvellous. Keep up the good work, Mr. President. Yeah, we're proud of you. And it wasn't until the end of the receiving lines that it was the ambassador of Bolivia who actually heard what he said. And he leant forward and whispered in the president's ear, I'm sure she deserved it. <laughs> okay, if you have verse 15 of chapter 8 of the book of Luke. Luke 8, 15. I want to read from him. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word and retain it and by persevering produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be made known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you hear. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now, brothers, sorry, now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, the context here is this at the, is at the end of a parable Jesus has been telling, and it's recorded in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are called the Synoptic Gospels. They look at Jesus' life from a similar perspective. The Synoptic Gospels as opposed to John, which looks at Jesus' life from a completely different perspective. John's Gospel has been referred to as the Gospel of the penetrating gaze, in that it penetrates, or penetrating eye, it looks into the heart of Jesus, the why he did what he did. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Synoptics, look at Jesus' life from really what he did, not necessarily the why behind what he did. And so we're looking at this particular parable, which is entitled the parable of the sower. But having said that, probably be better to be called the parable of the soils, because it's really about soil. And many of you will know it. But just to recap, it refers to a sower who sows seed, and it's scattered as they did back then. That's the way they sowed. And the word that we have for sowing of the seed is uh, the word that we actually end up getting the word in English, broadcast. So it gives you an idea of how far the seed is scattered, okay, far and wide. And the seed falls in four different types of soil. Depending on the soil type, produces a different outcome. Jesus later explains that the seed refers to the word of God and the soil is the state of people's hearts. Now the crop that is produced is directly related to the state of the heart. The seed is the same and there's nothing wrong with the sower. It's the heart that determines the crop if anything, that is produced. Okay, the first type of heart there is, is that one that Jesus, Jesus describes as like a path. It's like the seed just sits on top and doesn't penetrate the hardened surface, and the birds of the air are able to come and pluck the seed away. And we can all have times like that, when we hear the word of God, but we don't really listen. We are distracted, or suffering the ill effects of the late night before. Or dare I say it, we actually aren't all that concerned. 
So the, the, the enemy is easily able to pluck the seed away. And we need to be reminded that we have a very real enemy, Satan, who does not want the word of God to impact us at all. He's quite happy for us to hear it, but for goodness sake, please don't listen. And don't take it in. The parable also talks about the heart that is like rocky ground, where the word is received with joy, but does not get a root system established. So in a time of testing, the person falls away. There's also the heart that's like thorny ground in which the seed of God's word is received and sprouts and gets choked out because the individual is more focused on the worries of life, on money and pleasure. I think it's interesting that of the three things the Lord mentions, two of them are actually positive. Money and pleasure. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the pleasures of life. Life is amazing and God has given us all things to enjoy. It's only when we become, well at least those things become the focus and the priority of our life that the word of God is rendered ineffective in producing a crop in us. The fourth type of soil is that which is referred to as good soil. And that's where we started reading this morning. Jesus said good soil is the person who has a good and noble heart, who hears the word, retains it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Notice the characteristics of a good and noble heart. Number one, they hear the word. Number two, they retain it. Then by persevering, they go on to produce a crop. And oftentimes we stop reading our Bibles there because our Bibles have a paragraph break and a new title written there. Mine does that, it's a paragraph, and there's a new title for the next section, which in my version it says, A Lamp on a Stand. But there's nothing to suggest in the next verse that it's a new setting or new teaching. In fact, it's a continuation of what Jesus was saying and how he's expounding on this teaching of the importance of listening. And he uses a second parable about a lamp to stress this point. And if we walked into a darkened room, we'd turn on a light or we'd light a lamp or we'd flick on a torch. And there are times when we hear the word of God and we either ignore it or we don't allow it to bring the changes in our lives. We don't allow the light of the word to illuminate our path, the light of the word to illuminate us and bring the changes necessary in our lives. You know, we can sit through sermon after sermon and nothing happens. And that's like having a lighted lamp hidden in the cupboard whilst we remain in a darkened room. Hebrews 4 tells us this, verse 12, for the word of God is alive and it's active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow and judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. All scripture. The word of God will challenge us and will shape us if we allow it. If we allow it. It's alive, it's active, it's current. It will challenge our attitudes and our thinking and the way we live and what we say. The truth is, there's a lot in here that we don't understand. There's a lot in here that we ponder over and think, hmm. But the promise of verse 17 is that there's nothing hidden that won't be disclosed and there's nothing concealed that won't be brought out into the open. Now, as I was a young guy growing up last week, I, I used to think this was referring to my sin. So I better live clean because it's all going to get disclosed. There are other verses that refer to that. This does not. <laughs> it's actually referring to the word. And as I spend time in it, and ask the Lord to illuminate it to me. He will. You see, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 25, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. To search out a matter is the glory of kings. 
And I believe that we're a kingdom of kings and priests according to Revelation chapter 1. And therefore, as I search the scriptures, he is able to illuminate the truth to me and bring it to me. Oh, I see. Whoa. God just spoke to me from something I didn't previously understand. Hence the challenge of verse 18, to be careful how we listen. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Let's not be like President Roosevelt Franklin's receiving line, who didn't really listen to what was being said. Just nod and smile and convince ourselves, oh, we're doing okay. You know, it's possible to sit through a sermon and to think, well, that was great. And even a few minutes later, I actually don't really recall what it was about too much. Um, hmm. We can fool ourselves into a false sense of security and contentment. Oh, I'm in church. I sit under the word every week when it's really not impacting our lives. Almost like the seed of the word is hitting the hard exterior of our hearts and not penetrating and therefore not easily able to have, at least we're easily able to have the truth plucked from us the same way a bird would eat seed off a path. Or we can accept it with joy and then life happens and crowds out the impact of the word. Your man thought his wife was becoming hard of hearing, so he decided to test her. He walked into the room, her back was to him, so he said, can you hear me? And she didn't respond, so he moved a little bit closer. Can you hear me? She still didn't respond, so he went even closer to her. Can you hear me? She turned around and said, for the third time, I said yes. (laughs) We have to check our own hearing. Be careful how we listen. We have to ensure our ears are tuned to the Lord. And as I said earlier, it's not the seed that determines the crop. It's the state of the soil of our hearts. So how do I have a noble and good heart that will produce a crop, that will bring fruit for the kingdom? Well, the first thing I need to do is to receive the word and to retain it. Receive and retain. Receiving it doesn't just mean hearing it. We have to position ourselves to take it in. Now, we have a dog. She's a golden retriever. Her name is Honey. And there should be a picture of her on the screen. That's Honey. And um, I was preparing a sermon when she came and stood, sat in my study at my knees. And she was the, that's her. Anyway, <clears throat> she's a good dog generally, although the other day she ate the mail. <laughs> I kid you not. She ate the mail. And I, th- I put the mail down, thought I'll come to that later. So when I went later came, I couldn't find the mail. It vanished. I thought, the hound. So I went down, found her at the bottom of the garden, and she had taken a chunk out of a um, bank statement, and um, what else had she done? Oh, she just about consumed the entire uh, other piece of mail. All that was left was the logo in the the corner, which I could see was QV. I thought, oh, that sounds important. So I rang QV and said, "Um, you wouldn't believe this, but the dog ate the mail. You know, I, we, I had a dog growing up as a child, as kids. We had numbers of dogs. Never once did I use that as an excuse for homework. But the guy at QV bought it lock, stock, and bail. Ba- he thought it was fantastically. He, he thought it was amazing. He was laughing away there. And I, so he's going to send me another copy anyway. But the bottom of the line is this. I thought how easy it is to get away with something like the dog ate the mail. And I never used it at school or uni or anything. I missed your opportunity. Don't lose out and miss opportunities in life. Don't miss an opportunity. I have an article now on that alone. Anyway, where am I going with all this? Oh, that's right. Honey has floppy ears. They just droop like that. But when you call her name, and I did try to get her to do that, she just goes, moves closer. She does this. And she looks real cute. 
Her ears go up and her eyes are up, like this. Her ears go up when you call her name, when you're engaging with her. We've got to have ears that prick up and are real cute when it comes to the Word of God. I want to see those ears pricked up this morning. God can speak to you just like that out of something I even don't say. I think it was David Peter refers to the, the voice within the voice. The Holy Spirit can speak. We have to have ears that prick up and not just floppy when we're in the Word. And I'm not just talking about in church, but I'm talking about when we're at home reading the Word for ourselves that we've got that ears pricked up. We're sitting on the edge of our seat. We're leaning in. We're leaning forward, ready to receive. It's posture, expectant of hearing. And I would suggest in church even taking notes is a good idea. Even if you never look at them again, what it does is help you retain what you're hearing because you see it as well as hear it. It's easy to sit back, and, and, and especially in chairs like this, and fall asleep. Because they're very comfortable. They have a two-hour commercial rating on them. You can, McDonald's has got ten minutes. Get up, get out, get another burger. But don't stay in our restaurant, please. But in here, those have got a two-hour commercial rating. So, you know, it's easy for you to sort of, oh, this is comfortable. You know, so don't fall asleep on me, please. But, but it is. So writing down your notes will help you to engage. And I've heard someone say this. I've heard it all before. There's nothing that can be preached I haven't heard before. That is really limiting, isn't it? But Jesus said the one with a good and noble heart hears and retains the word of God. We retain it as we actively listen, as we lean in and review what we've heard. And that can involve rereading the notes we've taken or listening to the podcast of the message throughout the week. I remember some time ago when we used to produce CDs of the messages, someone had theirs in their car and said to my wife, Kathy, I've listened to your husband's sermon at least eight times this week because wherever they're driving, they just had it continually going. I thought, man, was it really that good? I went and got it myself and listened to it. I'm not just talking about our time when we're hearing the word preached. I'm talking about our time in the word for ourselves as well. You know, we've got to be engaging. We've got to be leaning in. We've got to be self-feeders. Don't rely on the message on Sunday. You'll die of spiritual malnutrition. You've got to, you've, one meal a week won't last for you. You'll die physically if you just have one meal a week, you know, over time. But what I'm saying is that be a self-feeder, be in the word, receive impartation for yourself in the quiet time. You know, the Bible tells us in Psalm 46 verse 10, um, be still and know that I am God. So in, in the fast lane of life, indicate left on the odd occasion, like every day, and pull into the rest area and spend some time with him in the word. And then when you've... Indicate right, pull out in the fast lane of life again. You've got energy and a sense of the Holy Spirit being with you and you've received something of the Lord to help you throughout the day. Some of those personal times of reading the Bible can involve considering a verse that we've read and selecting it as one that's particularly impacting. And I would suggest you could even consider committing it to memory. Yeah, memorizing a verse from the Bible is hugely beneficial. You know, having memorized a verse from the Bible, the Holy Spirit is then able to bring it back to your memory when you're going through something. Or you can use it to minister to someone else. Should be doing that. It's all part and parcel of renewing the mind that Romans 12 talks about. It helps us in our prayer life. It helps us with temptation. It, uh, the, as you're memorizing a Bible verse both morning and night, the Bible talks about if you meditate on the word both morning and night, there's prosperity that flows. So as you're memorizing and meditating on this, you're going to reap the reward. You're going to reap the reward. A couple of quick tips when it comes to memorizing, and this is this. The reference, glue it to the first two or three words in the verse. So rather than just Galatians 2.20, I'm going to memorize Galatians 2.20. Okay, I've got that. Now how's the verse start? Oh, that's right. It's no longer right. 
memorize the first the reference and then connect the first two or three words to it. So it's Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I. Remember that. Memorize that as a block. And it's like a starter motor of an engine that gets you going in the rest of the verse. So it's no, Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I. And then add the reference at the end so you continue to remember where the reference is. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I. Galatians 2.20. And then add on five or six words each time. It's Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I. Who lives but Christ who lives in me? Galatians 2.20. And just carry on until you've got the whole verse done. And then review, review, review. The most important thing like uh, comment, you know, housing, location, 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 memorizing, it's review, review, review. So when you're at home at night asleep, and you can, well, as you can't sleep, just go through the verses you've memorized. Right. Tell you what, the devil will put you to sleep just like that. <laughs> But do, memorize, just go through it, go through it. Review the word, review the word. Write it on a business card, carry it in your pocket so you pull it out when you're sitting at a red light, you've got it in the car and you can use your phone. There's so many things to help us today with memorization, it's amazing. It helps to retain the word. I had a friend who wrote it up on the shower wall, on the shower, he had his verses he has written on the shower wall. So, you know, whatever, it works for you. But memorization will help you retain the word. But there's still the challenge of ensuring that it impacts our life. You know, you can memorize a verse and you can quote it word perfect, but it still doesn't impact your life. You've got to pray it into your life and ask the Lord, allow it to bring the changes in me, Father, that I might indeed be a greater blessing because knowledge puffs up. In other words, it makes us prideful. Oh, I know 15 verses. But love builds up. So we've got to make sure it's not just knowledge. There was a family that set about doing a um, Bible memorization as, as a family. They've learned a verse a week and over the dinner table they would do that. And um, they had two children, two girls, age 10 and age 6. And one night the parents were sitting in the lounge and down the hallway the two girls were fighting each other and they heard one of them say to the other, I hate you. And so the father, not wanting to sort of race on down headlong into this uh, foray, he, he said, now, Cara, she said, yes. He said, Dad, what is the verse we're learning this week? And she stopped in the most pious voice. She said, dear friends, since God loved us as much as that, we surely ought to love each other too. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. And then she carried on with her sister. <laughs> he tried the same with the other daughter and realized it wasn't working. So he and his wife got up out of the chair and apparently they couldn't help but laugh when they realized what was going on. But it's a great example of how we don't apply scripture. We need to memorize it, repeat it, sure, that's fine. But make sure it's impacting our lives and we're living it out. It's been said, we've got to get the Bible off the shelf and into self. Carl has been referring to the fact that there's a church we're in the new era. And um, been reminded of the power and importance of declaration. Declaring the word. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Pastor Casey Treat, a Christian faith center in Seattle, has a declaration he uses about the Bible. It's pretty cool. He starts off, and he, he leads it with the church. He gets the church, and they hold their Bible up, etc., etc. He says, this is my Bible. It is the word of God, and I believe it. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. It goes on to talking about renewal of the mind and being filled with the Spirit and fulfilling God's plan, plan and purpose, etc., etc., all revealed in the word, all revealed in the word. And if we really believe that, we would never put this down. Okay, in order to have a good and noble heart, we need to receive and retain the word. Secondly, we need to shine, share it and shine at least. Share it and shine if we're to have a good and noble heart. You know, verse 16 said, No one lights a lamp and hides it in clay jars and puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see it. Jesus likens our hearing to, of God's word to receiving light. And like a lamp, we are to shine. A lamp is designed to shine forth. And we are here to just do that, 
to shine forth the love of Jesus in and through our lives. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your dawn. The light of his word is to shine from us. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before other people, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As the word impacts our lives and we share it with others, and they see our actions and deeds which do not contradict our words, they'll see a glimpse of Jesus. Because you and I are the only Bible many, many people are reading. Apparently Marie Antoinette, who's the last queen of France before the revolution, used to attempt to disguise herself to attend parties, dances and balls incognito. But her walk gave her away. When she walked, it said she walked like a man. I don't know if she spat like a man and chewed like a man, but she certainly walked like a man. Her swift, purposeful walk was her trademark. And it said that she could never successfully disguise her identity at masked balls because no matter how she dressed, she walked like an empress. Isn't it what we should be like? Our walk should give us away. Our walk and our words should match up. So to have a good and noble heart, we need to receive and retain the word, but also to share it and shine. And the third thing we need to do is to obey and observe. Obey the word, observe the word, outwork it from our lives. In verse 21, Jesus said, My mother and brothers are those who hear the word and put it into practice. He's saying they are the true family of God. In James 1.22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Hearing is not enough. If we just hear it and don't apply it to our lives and put it into practice, we're deceiving ourselves. We think we're doing okay, but really we're not. And that's the essence of verse 18. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have will be taken from them. You know, we can spend time in the Word and, uh, you know, more insight and understanding will come as we do that. But if we neglect it, even that which we have heard sometime in a sermon in the past or read maybe some weeks earlier will slip from our minds and have no impact on us whatsoever. You see, it's the application and the outworking of the word in our lives that makes the difference. And as we persist, we will see fruit in us. And verse 15 says, Jesus, we persevere, and as we persevere, we produce the crop. Be aware we have a devil who will fight us at every turn. The last thing he wants is a Christian who is intent on reading the Bible and retaining the word and is wanting to be changed by it and making a difference in other people's lives. Be prepared for obstacles to come. Be prepared to have to persevere in this, to endure hardship and struggles around this. We have a very real enemy who is intent on nullifying our witness and effectiveness. He wants us just to cool our jets and let's not take this too seriously. Romans 15.4 For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And in persevering and enduring, we hold on to the word and the hope that it brings despite the obstacles and challenges in life. Without hope, it's difficult to cope. And our source of hope is here, found in the word of God. And as we read it, we're encouraged and say, well, good Lord, you did this with this particular person. And if you did it with them, you can do it for me. Thank you, Lucas. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. 
And the Old Testament is equally as valuable as the New. All Scripture is God-breathed, Paul said. And when he wrote that, there was no New Testament. He was writing it as he spoke. So he was referring to the Old Testament. And this verse in Romans 15 we've just looked at, where he says, the things that were written in the past were written to teach us, so with an endurance and encouragement of the Scripture we might have hope. He was referring to the Old Testament because he was writing the New Testament as he wrote the book of Romans. So that is equally as powerful in terms of impacting our lives. And you read the narratives and what God did with... Oh, it's awesome. It's exciting. You'll be amazed. Absolutely. But it is amazing how many of us will lay this aside and stop coming to church in a time of difficulty and trouble and trial and cut off the source of hope. Cut off the source of hope and life and light in the time when we need it the most. The most important place in the middle of difficulty or if you're sick is in a hospital. And if you're going for trial and trouble and difficulty and whatever, is in church where you can praise the name of the Lord Most High. And you can take your problem, which is like a 20-cent piece that you're holding to your eye, and hold it with greater perspective. And you see the grandeur of everything. Yeah, there's my problem, sure, but I've got a great big God. But when we're at home on our own and going, oh, man, what are we doing? Oh, oh, and it's just about my 20-cent piece of problem. Yeah, you understand what I'm saying? Please, oh, glory. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Let's be people who push through, who endure and ensure that the word of God has worked out in our lives and brings forth fruit. There are, of course, times in our lives when we don't have the time that we can spend and would love to spend in the word. If you've got young children, you can't even go to the bathroom without the sound of little pitter-patter of feet wanting to follow you. you know? Or you go to close your eyes to pray and you wake up snoring. You know? Don't despair. It's only a season. The Lord knows. He knows your heart. He understands what you're going through. It's all about the heart. Don't feel condemned. Condemnation is of the enemy. It's not of God. And as we approach this holiday season and Christmas is coming, it gets more and more hectic. Try to eke out some time still to spend with him in the midst of writing Christmas cards. Spend time musing on the word and meditating on it. For those who are going on holiday, and as much as the novel is a great way to relax, and it is, and the book, sorry, and the boat and the water is calling, and it will, do get into the novel, as long as it's a good one. And do, you know, use the boat and the water and everything else. But also try and spend a little bit more time in the word, like Joseph stored up in the time of plenty for it. Because we're going to need it. We need it in our lives for that which is coming. In my Bible, I have a picture of a young African boy. His name is Metus Tangoni. It was sent to me from the Bible Society, as it was to a number of people, obviously, I guess, because it's part of a brochure they sent out. But I clipped it out and kept the picture. He is severely, was severely beaten and had his hands held over fire, and they were burnt. Burnt off all his fingers. He's just got charred stumps now. And um, afterwards, he was taken to the home of a local missionary because his family couldn't care for him, but they did. And to help the long and lonely days whilst his burning fingers and hands and everything were healing, they gave him a talking Bible. And in listening to it, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. He no longer has fingers, so he can't use a conventional Bible and turn the pages. But he listens to the talking Bible every morning. And he said this, Sometimes I cannot wait, lying in bed for the sun to come up, so I can use my solar panel that powers my Bible, that I might have it read to me. Are we like that? Do we have a hunger to take the book off the shelf? And place it in ourselves. When we wake in the morning or whenever it is we spend time with him. And remember it's not about, it's not devotions. It's devotion. The author of Huckleberry Finn, Mark Twain, 
once heard someone say this to him. I wish I'd never read Huckleberry Finn. When Mark Twain asked him why he would say that, the man said it was so that he could have the pleasure of reading it again for the first time. You know, as we approach the word of God in faith, each time it's like reading it for the first time. The Holy Spirit illuminates different parts and different aspects of it because it's living and it's active. And as we receive the word and retain it and share it and allow it to shine out of our lives and from our lives and we obey what it says we'll do, we'll see growth in our lives. And if we aren't seeing the growth and transformation we'd like to see, we've got to not look at this, there's something wrong with this. No, no, there's something wrong here. We need to look at our heart and think, what, Lord, what do I need to do here? What do I need to do to have a good and noble heart? His word never fails. In fact, Luke 1, 37 says this, for no word from God will ever fail. I said earlier, there's nothing wrong with the seed. It's the soil. It's us and the state of our hearts. Let's work to ensure we have a good and noble heart that receives the word and retains it. Let's persevere through trial to produce a crop. Let's see, seeing the growth, the farmer desires to see in us, in our lives, and shine forth brightly into this world that so desperately needs the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the only Bible many people are reading. Let's not just allow our words, but let's allow our hearts to reveal Jesus in these days. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray? Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to thank you that as we stand before you, You have given us your word. Father, I thank you for the power of your word to transform our lives and the lives of others. Father, I thank you so much for the power of your spirit to illuminate your word to us. Father, I ask in Jesus' glorious name that you'd give us noble and good hearts. Hearts that would receive and retain and through perseverance would produce a crop that is beneficial to you that brings forth fruit for the kingdom of God. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. We so desire to be a blessing to others and to see the outworking of your word in and through our lives to make a difference in others. We yield again to you. Have your way in and through us in your word. Give us a love for your word like we've never had before. In Jesus' name I pray. Just while we're in an attitude of prayer, there's something I haven't been able to shake. And um, I'm just going to share it. But I see a... I've seen a picture of a a lady's handkerchief, which is folded. It's got lace around the sides, and it's floral. But it's folded, and it's actually on the top shelf of someone's wardrobe. And I'm not sure if someone actually literally has got a handkerchief that's folded on the top shelf of the wardrobe. And if you have, if you could raise your hand, that would be ideal. But if not, I believe it refers to tears that have been cried over a loved one, particularly a child. And as precious as those tears are and that handkerchief is set aside because you sobbed your heart out over that child, those tears are precious to him. He sees and has heard the cry of your heart over your child. And he says that he is the one that has come to bind up the brokenhearted. And he 
takes our broken dreams and turns them into joy. I believe the Lord would say it's not over yet. It's not over yet. If that means anything to you, you might feel a connection with that. I'd love to pray with you after the service. And we have the prayer ministry team, obviously, after the service as well, who would love to stand and pray with you as well. So God bless you. Good to see you.